Well, good morning. Shabbat Shalom. It's uh, usually when Rabbi's way, we have a little sparser crowd, but you guys are the dedicated and the faithful, so I applaud you for coming out here and enduring me. No. Uh, <laughs> so, no. All right, we're going to have a good time today. Um, today, today I'm, I'm going to do, I'm going to begin a uh, little series, three-part series while Rabbi's away. <clears throat> called Eye on the Prize, and it's been something that's been on my heart for a while, and I just sort of came into, um, all the pieces sort of came together at the beginning of the week, and um, anyway, this is a uh, reference to a scripture we'll hit on here in just a minute, that you guys are, I'm sure, familiar with, and um, it's going to be broken down into three parts. This first part is called the test, okay, we'll figure out what that means. So, um, Last week's Torah portion, Rabbi's been going through, let me just go back real quick. Rabbi's been going through Torah portion by Torah portion the last four weeks. We did this amazing series, series called, Who Are You Listening To? Right? We did it with each portion. Rabbi had, did a great job on that. Excellent and really pierced us, uh, to pierced me at least, to the soul of asking some deep questions. And so last week in Parshat Balak, the Torah portion of Balak, we have the situation with... The king of Moab, who is Balak, that's the Torah portion's namesake. We have Balaam, the prophet, the Gentile prophet to the nations. Um, and Balaam hires, I mean, Balak hires Balaam to do what? To curse Israel, right? Okay? So his job is to curse Israel. Um, how did that go over? It didn't, didn't go well for him. It went well for Israel, right? But it did not go well for him. Um, but no matter what Balaam tried, he tried several different times, several different ways. He thought he could do this or that or whatever. And he tried to earn his pay from Balak and curse Israel, but it failed every single time. Somehow Israel was completely impervious to these spiritual attacks. However, if we, if we pay attention at the very end of last week's Torah portion and this week's Torah portion, how did Balaam succeed? Does anyone know? He sent the women, as Dave says, okay? Um, Israel ends up being susceptible to an assault by being lured into a trap. What was the trap? It was they were targeted. Their physical lusts and desires were targeted, okay? So here's, here's the question. Why was the first attack? attack completely ineffective, but the second one, why did it succeed? And here's the answer. Israel forgot their identity and their purpose. Israel forgot their identity and their purpose, okay? So, Lance, if you'll hit this first passage, I want to bring up the main passage that we're going to be coming back to. This is Philippians 3, 13 through 16. Philippians 3, beginning in verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself as having taken hold of this, but this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. And you'll need to keep going. <laughs> I press on toward the goal for the reward of the upward calling of God in Messiah Yeshua. Next one. 
Therefore, let all who are mature have this attitude. And if you have a different attitude in anything, this also God will reveal to you. Last verse. Nevertheless, let us live up to the same standard we have attained. So I want to draw your attention to uh, the end of verse 13 and the beginning of 14. Straining toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize. I'm sure many of you guys are very, very familiar with this passage. You probably memorized it growing up or, or something. <clears throat> There's different translations, and I use the, uh, the uh, Tree of Life version here. Um, but as I said earlier, the title of this series is Eye on the Prize. Okay? In, a, in a way, it's a reinforcement of what rabbis already taught us in these last four weeks. Um, and in another way... Now that we know what voices to listen to and what attitude we should have as sons and daughters of God, this component, this teaching, is a reminder of how to cope with and overcome the obstacles that we face in our lives. So we got the mindset, now we need, we're going to have some actions attached to this. So um, we all have a unique identity and purpose. Now, Israel has its own unique identity and purpose, but each one of us, we also have our unique identity and purpose. Um, but when we become redeemed, we share a common identity and purpose with Israel, right? We become one, and we have a same identity as being a daughter or a son of God, and we have the same purpose is to pursue our relationship with God, to pursue oneness with Him, to love Him, to fear Him, and to walk in His ways. <clears throat> and and here's, here's something I want you to catch hold of, because when we lose sight of our identity and our purpose, this is when things start to fall apart. When we begin to give up our freedom, our redemption, and slip back into bondage of whatever personal Egypt that we've been delivered from, that's when things go awry. And the question is, why would we ever do such a thing, right? I mean, we, we read the scriptures and we think, why did, why did Israel do this? Well, guess what? We do the same things, don't we? Um, we lose sight and we end up straying. I want to introduce you to a few terms. Many of you will be familiar with this. Some of you guys may not be. But the term Yetzer HaTov and the term Yetzer Hara, okay? This is the Yetzer Atov is the good inclination. The Yetzer just means like inclination or drive or something like that, right? The Hatov part is the good. And then we have the Yetzer Hara, which is the inclination towards evil or the evil inclination. <clears throat> now, the Yetzer Hara, it, even though we call it the evil inclination, it's not completely 100% evil like that, that we would think. Um, Many of you guys in here are going through the book uh, Lights Along the Way with us uh, uh, on our men's meetings, Tour on Tap, um, once a month. And it's a really, really good book. It's challenging. It's, and it really, the core of it is a book called Mesilat Yasharim, The uh, Path of the Upright. But Rabbi Abraham Tversky is the author of Lights Along the Way. And he says this, okay? Well, actually, he's quoting the Ramchal on Mesilat Yasharim. He said, life is a series of challenges of varying types of degrees, which a person must overcome, and which all tests of his loyalty, and, and which are tests of his loyalty and devotion to God. Okay, I'm going to read that again. 
Life is a series of challenges of varying types and degrees which a person must overcome and which are all tests of his loyalty and devotion of God. Okay, we all face trials. We all face tests. I'm going to go into more of that here, here in a minute. But we've got to remember that the purpose is really to put some strain on our relationship with God. It's not to break it necessarily, but to strain it to make it stronger. We'll find out how in just a minute. Tversky then goes on to say, primarily our tests are whether we will surrender to the ingenious rationalizations which we can use or which we can devise to justify yielding to our physical desires even when these are forbidden. However, if we are wise enough to realize that the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, is merely a tool that God uses to test our allegiance, turning a deaf ear to his wily arguments is quite simple. In other words, the job of the Yetzirah is to keep us on our toes, okay? It's not to destroy us, but the part, the part is, if we give into it long enough, we can definitely start, start running headlong down that path of self-destruction, okay? So, the, um, the Yetzirah is something we have to struggle with every day. And, you know, your struggle, my struggle, they're all going to be different, Right? So where I may be tempted to slap somebody. No, I'm just I may be tempted to do a certain thing. You may be tempted to do another. What may tempt you may not tempt me. What tempts uh, me may not have any be any temptation for you, right? Um, we all have our unique makeup. We all have our unique uh, mission in this earth. We all have our unique, um, the things that have been put inside us to make us who we are. We all have the struggles that we have. Now, Yeshua tells, tells a parable that I like to bring into this that you guys are very, 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 very familiar with. And this is called the parable. It's normally called the parable of the sower, but I prefer to call it the parable of the soils. Okay, And, and this is why, because it's really the focus is on the soils. Uh, it's comparing the different types of soils. So if we can bring up that passage, and he told them, Many things in parables saying, Behold, a sower went out to spread some seed. And he was scattering the seed. And as he was scattering the seed, some fe- seeds fell by the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil. They sprang up immediately because the soil wasn't deep. But when the sun came up, they were scorched. And because they had no roots, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew and choked them out. But others fell on good soil and were producing good Fruit. They yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Okay, and then we read about his disciples asking, "Said we don't understand this parable. What are you talking about?" And so he he begins to um, tell them. He says, "When anyone hears the words of the kingdom and doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the this is the one having been sown along the road." So he explains the one on the road. Next one. The one sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in him, uh, root himself, but lasts only a short while. And then trouble or persecution comes because of the world. Immediately he falls away. But the one sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word and the worries of the world and the seduction of wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now the one sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands. He indeed bears fruit, yielding a hundredfold, 
some 60, some 30 times what was sown. Okay, and so in this parable, Yeshua tells four types of soils, but really these are four types of people, okay? And so we have to sort of place ourselves. Where, where are we? What type of soil are we? And so in this, Yeshua is saying we are all tested. And whether or not we can develop the proper soil for the seed to take root, sprout, and ultimately produce a harvest, that's the real issue. And so I'm going to introduce you to another Hebrew word. If you'll put this next slide up there, Lance. This is the Hebrew word nace. Everybody say it with me, nace. Okay. Nace means test or trial. Okay. Um, if you haven't read the book Life is a Test by young, uh, Esther Rebetson, Esther Youngress, I re recommend I'm going to be using some of her material throughout this. Um, but, you know, we are tested. Abraham was tested. The sages say Abraham uh, went through 10 tests of his faith, with the final test being the binding of Isaac, the Akedah. Okay? This is the ultimate test of his faith. We all have tests. We all go through different tests. And what may be a challenge and difficult, like I said earlier, for me may not be a challenge and difficult for you, but man, it may be huge for me. Maybe huge, just the opposite. Um, and Rabbi Tversky in his book again, he says that all living things seek, uh, tend to seek pleasure and avoid stress. I mean, isn't that sort of the way we, we do things? We navigate around the, the obstacles, the problems. We we see something, a problem rising, and we try to, I mean, I don't know if anybody uh, here is familiar with Enneagram, but I, I'm an Enneagram 9, which means I am a peacemaker, which means I avoid conflict at all costs unless I'm dealing it out, dishing it out. <laughs> okay? Uh, and, then, and then watch out. Um, <clears throat> so they have what's called the uh, anger triad that I'm a part of. So uh, anyway, but ge my general, you know, personality top is avoid conflict at all costs. So if I, if I see something ahead, I'll figure out a way to go around rather than go through, which I should do many times and I avoid it. Um, but he says that all living things tend to, uh, tend to seek pleasure and avoid stress. I mean, I think we we're all can all agree to that to a certain degree, right? There are times, however, when a person will accept a measure of discomfort in order to achieve a particular goal, okay? So I may avoid stress in one area, but I may take it on in another area because I want to accomplish something. I want to do something, right? So um, you think about this. The, um, the athlete will endure extreme pain and discomfort to overcome and to become what they want, right? Um, we all have to decide what it what is worth the pain and the self-discipline to, to uh, achieve uh, what's required of, of what we want. You know, what's, worth, what's uh, worth it to me may not be worth it to you, and, and vice versa, as I said. But some examples are, um, I already said the athlete, but, you know, any kind of sport. If you're going to be the best at your sport, if you're going to win, you're going to have to endure some pain and some hardship and some discipline in order to train for that and to become the best at whatever you're, you're in. Um, if you're concerned with physical beauty, physical appearance, then you're going to do certain things. You're going to take care of your body. You're going to take care of your parents. You're going to spend a lot of time in the bathroom doing things, your face and stuff, okay? <laughs> okay, um, 
If you're concerned with wealth, then that's going to be, it's going to take, you're going to be reading books on generating money and income and, and all that kind of stuff. If you're concerned with luxury, you're going to be looking for the finest this, finest that, the most cush and posh and everything like that. If you're focused on admiration, you're going to do the things that seek others' admiration, right? If you're focused on fame, you're going to do the things that stand out above and beyond anyone else so that you can get that as well. So Tversky notes that it's only natural for a person to desire tranquility, as we sort of mentioned earlier, as natural as seeking food when hungry and water when thirsty. But as the author of the, this book makes us aware, that desirable as it may be, tranquility accomplishes nothing. And struggle is the only constructive aspect of life. I'm going to read that again. Tranquility accomplishes nothing, and struggle is the only constructive aspect of life. You're thinking, oh my goodness, I don't want to hear that. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I've struggled enough. I've had it. I'm done, right? But, it's so <laughs> but struggle really is where we grow. Um, Rashi in one of his commentaries, he says, tranquility is not for this world. It's for the world to come. Something to think about it. So we need to face it. We're going to struggle in this world, okay? Question is, are our struggles worth it? Or have we put ourselves into a situation where we're struggling and there's no real reason to? We're not going to be rewarded for what we think we're struggling for. We're not, it's not going to end up being worth it, right? Ultimately, the thing that should motivate us to endure pain and discipline is our relationship with God. Not the newest eye gadget that we can get for only 72 low payments. <laughs> right? Um, the Yetzirah wants us to be distracted from our primary goal and to be completely absorbed by the pleasures of this world. So how did the Israelites get to where they were in the end of last week's Torah portion and this week's Torah portion? They forgot their identity. They forgot their purpose. They forgot where they're headed, right? And that's the deal with us, too. We can forget that we have a purpose. We have an identity and get so wrapped up in this world and things of this world, the, the pleasures of this world, but also the struggles of this world, that it completely sideswipes us from our mission and our purpose. Is there anything wrong with a nice house or a nice car? No, not at all. But they aren't the goal. When they become the goal, that's when the Yetzirah has deluded us. That's when it has masked our identity and made us ineffective for our primary purpose. I was talking to uh, Ruthie earlier this morning when, uh, before service got started, before the first service got started. And I had, I had felt that there was something um, lacking in what I was going to mention, speak on this morning. And um, she reminded me of a passage. She began talking about this, and it was, we weren't even talking about my message, just have to be what we were talking about. And I was like, oh my goodness, that, that is right on with what we're talking about. Because we pray, 
If you're engaged in the daily prayers, we pray exactly what I'm talking about. We pray that we may not become entangled in these type of things, that we wouldn't lose our focus and so forth. And so um, this is a, a part of the bedtime Shema. And um, let me just read this section to, to you. This is a part of what we read as we're going to bed. Help us lie down, O Lord our God, in peace, and rise up, O our King, to goodly lives and to peace. Spread over us your canopy of peace. Direct us with your good counsel and save us speedily for the sake of your name. Shield us and remove from us every enemy, plague, sword, famine, and sorrow. Remove the adversary from before and behind us. And some translations say, remove from us every impediment before and behind us. The things that Paul says, the things that easily beset us, right? The things that shackle our legs to make us where we slow down in the race or get off course. Shelter us in the shout of your wings, for you, God, are our guardian and deliverer. You, God, are our gracious and compassionate king. Guard our going out and our coming in for life and for peace, for now and forever. And then we also have a blessing that we say in the mornings, so we sort of book in our day with these. Um, we have this blessing at the end of the morning blessings, the Birkot HaShakar. says, uh, Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who removes sleep from my eyes and slumber from my eyelids. May it be your will, Lord our God, and the God of our ancestors, to accustom us your, to your Torah and make us attached to your commandments. Lead us not into error, transgression, iniquity, temptation, or disgrace. Do not let the evil inclination dominate us. Keep us far from a bad man and a bad, man and a bad companion. Help us attach ourselves to the good inclination and to good deeds and to bend our inclination to be subservient to you. So forth. Grant us every day your, your love and kindness and so forth. And then it continues at the bottom. May it be your will, Lord of God and God of my ancestors, to save me today and every day from the arrogant, from arrogance itself, from a bad man, a bad instinct, a bad friend, a bad neighbor, a bad mishap, from an evil eye, an evil tongue, from slander, lies, hatred of others, libelous plots, unnatural death, severe illness, pernicious events, a destructive adversary, a harsh trial and a harsh opponent, whether he is one of the covenant or not of the covenant. And so... Uh, in this, we have these blessings that if we pray them every day, we are already engaging in this, and it puts us on a right track. But sometimes we say things we don't really think about what we're saying. Um, and so, really, I want you to focus on two things to remember. is First of all, this passage that we are supposed to have an identity and a purpose, that we are to run for the prize and pursue the prize, pursue the goal, Okay. And that is the kingdom. And also, this word, what was the Hebrew word that we learned? Nes, good. And what does it mean? Trial or test, test or trial, okay? Um, so we're going to be talking more on that. So if we know, I think the biggest thing is being aware. Sometimes we get hit, we get sideswiped, and it's harder to recover from that than if you go in knowing that you need to have boxing gloves on. Right, instead of just out of the out of the 
uh, out of nowhere, you get a left hook. Um, if we know we're being tested, and of course knowing is half the battle, as you guys know, we should embrace the tests and learn from them. So how do we do this? God willing, that's what we'll talk about next week, part two of Eye on the Prize. So Shabbat Shalom. Thank you.